Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on News Radio City Live! Rockefeller Center. Join as usual with Nastasia of the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Nastasia? Good. Good. You're good? Yeah. Are you, are you alive? I can look at you. I see you. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Nastasia, I don't think, wants to talk no. about it, but she's had a... Uh, it's still going. A, I mean, it's well, in pieces. having a banner week. I would say a banner Actually, week. Actually, well, we'll talk... A- you and I will Ooh. talk after. Oh, there's the actual good news? I think it's good. It's work for you. It's the thing that I've been like, maybe... <laughs> but you're going to have to do work. <laughs> but people will be excited. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, uh, joined as usual also with uh, John. How you doing, John? Uh, we got Joe Hazen. How you doing? And hey, how are you? Doing well. Anything good happened this week, Joe? What's going on here? Uh, well, studio's finally hitting its its peak, so I'm happy. <clears throat> and last, but of course not least, back from Mexico, Jackie Molecules. Hey, Jack. Hola. Uh, Aaron Polsky's here, so... Not here. Well, no. Not here. In Manhattan or somewhere. Not in the studio. Yeah. He's afraid to come in because... What does that have to do? Um, think about it. Merlot. Yeah, no, I, I know. I know what it means. Well, then why do you say the what does it mean? no. Oh, the answer is no. <laughs> All right. For those of you that, I don't know, for some reason are still listening if it's the first episode you've ever listened to, which I can't imagine. Uh, it's Nastasia. Nastasia and I have a dream of <clears throat> getting Aaron Polsky, who used to run our favorite drug front bar in... Los Angeles, uh, to wrestle in a jello, uh, a jello wrestling match with Jackie Molecules in <laughs> jello made of Merlot, cheap Merlot, specifically if we can get it, yellowtail Merlot wine because of a SmackDown argument during COVID that Aaron and Jackie Molecules had regarding uh, whether or not in the age of COVID – Bringing the yellowtail Merlot to the first date was a no-go for future. That was the that was the discussion, right? Yeah. And we were like, just to be clear, yeah, I, I was not bringing this wine. This was the date who brought the the bad wine. See how hardcore he still is on it. He's like, whoa, whoa. In case you ever you meet what, me what, and what I'm if, invited out, I'm not bringing the yellowtail. That's what you're saying. But you know, uh, Nastasia and I just believed that the most honorable thing for you guys to do would just be to wrestle it out. I mean, and right now the rink is under renovation, so. We could use it. Imagine, Joe, what you think we could I, do it in I the can, Rock Center uh, rink? <laughs> I have no idea. That's above my pay grade <laughs> there. Would you do it if it was in the Rock Center rink? I mean, that seems like to be the ideal place, what right? If I can, like, what, if, what if I can be in, like, a lucha mask, you know? Like, uh, that, uh, that's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Mask. That's totally fine. That's fine. We were going to have Claire right, do we it, might but... be... I mean, if you're okay with we the appropriation, it's fine with me. Oh, wow. Oh, hey. We need some kind of we need some kind of measurable goal for Patreon subscribers. Ooh, okay. Uh, or, I like or that. Like yes. A benchmark. Okay. Hit, you know. What do you want it to be? There, there has to be a. What do you want it to be? And I'll lower it by that. half. What do you want it to be? <laughs> what do you yeah, want yeah, it to be? I'll lower it by half. No. <laughs> a million. A million. Oh, come on. Come on. Uh, that would pull our. I'll have, to look, I'll have to look at the numbers. <laughs> what what are we at right now? I'm not doing this right now? How many people do we have right now? Uh, he's, no not, he's, questions not, he's, he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna <laughs> he's not gonna commit right now. Uh, he's not gonna commit. Uh, anyway, all right. Any of you guys uh, do any good uh, any good cooking over the uh, last week? Eating, not cooking. But Mexico City is pretty damn good. But by the way, if you are listening live, call in your questions to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. Uh, oh, and there we have a caller. So, John, we'll get back to what you were cooking and what Sounds Jack was eating great. later. Yeah, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, hey, this is Dave. Yeah, how you doing? Hey, good, man. How are you? All right, all right. Good, good. Hey, this is Judd over here in Kentucky. Wow. And uh, Where in Kentucky? So you got a, oh, you know our Bowling Green, Bowling Green area? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, you eat, you but, eat, you eat ham? Ham, oh yeah, yeah. Shoulder, shoulder. You ever heard of shoulder? Yeah. You need yeah. to. You need to. Oh, it's awesome. That's this Monroe County is the best place for shoulder well, vinegar me, sauce and all that. But let me ask you though, in terms of Kentucky country hams, do you have a favorite, or do you not play favorites with Kentucky country hams? Mm, well, I don't. I'm not really. I'm not a big, huge country ham. It's too salty, some of it for me. But well, here's uh, here's what I recommend. I do, I, they they have it everywhere. Here's what I recommend. <clears throat> 
and, and then I will answer your question. But I'm just saying, here's what I recommend. Get, there's a bunch of great ones, obviously, in Kentucky. But uh, mm-hmm. have, have you tried them sliced thin like prosciutto, like, like eat it like prosciutto? Because it's not that salty that way with some bread. Eat some bread and some ham that way, some nice uh, – you don't want to go too salty if you're going to eat it with cheese. Then that's too much salt. But have you, right. tried, have you tried it that way? Right, right. I haven't. No, no, you, I need to try it like you, that. You have to. Anyway, all right, so what's your question? I'll, I'll do it. Well, hey, man, you got an awesome show. Um, I like it. I like, you know, issues um, – fixing issues and stuff, grilling and all that. But I was listening to your show the other day, the uh, old mystery of the Sour Patch Kid uh, name of the episode. Sounded right. like. Um, any, anyhow, you was talking about the Kalamazoo grills, how how cool it would be to have a have a grill that you can just dump charcoal in it and have a lighter and, you know, it'd start the charcoal and, and you wouldn't have to mess around with it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hey man, I've, I've got that grill. I just thought I was going to let you know, talk to you about it. We, we actually, um, my partner and I have a patent pending grill that actually does that. We can, you can dump dry charcoal in there, no lighter fluid, no, um, no match even. You just push the button and two to five minutes every single time we can have charcoal. I like that. Ready to cook. I like that. And, uh, yeah, I thought maybe you'd be interested in checking it out, man. It's the coolest grill. I mean, we we it's all stainless stainless steel. Um, you can clean it out real easy. Thing it has a ton of other accessories that we got that can go on it. Like you can, it's got the big old burner in the bottom, so we've got it to where you can actually sit a fryer in there and fry fish or I like that. Or do a low country bowl or anything. What's so, your uh, what's your name of its target name price? Of its light right. Light. Wait, what's it called? Light well, what? I, Light, right, light, right, like light, like light, can, bright, but we, right. We, yeah, light, right. Yeah, we mm. our slogan is "Don't fight it, just light, right it." Oh, and, that's uh, yeah, like I say, charcoal in two to five minutes, ready to cook. Actually, I have a manufacturer there in uh, Leola, Pennsylvania. We haven't we haven't went retail with it yet, released it, but we've got a guy that builds them there in Leola for us. So we're just starting, kind of getting it started. So yeah, I'd like to uh, if you want to see it sometime. I'd I'd, I'd love to show it to you. Yeah, you know I love any sort of grilling equipment for sure. Well, I think it's fixed a lot of issues. Charcoal issue—that's the biggest thing. I I, I have a green egg. I tell you, the biggest issue with it, you know, is it, it has a few issues. I love a green egg, but there is a few things with it that I wish was a little different. But I mean, yeah, the chimney in there, I don't. Chimney. I don't really like starting with the chimney. Yeah, well, the other thing about so. the green egg is uh, uh, yours is is uh, it's not an insulated grill, right? So it's more for high heat, or is it insulated like a right. like a, like a, yeah, yeah? I don't I don't cook that way. I don't like I don't I'm not a retained heat grilling guy or like a, I'm a I want like. Right. You know, I want like a disco inferno. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, mm-hmm. I've actually, yeah, right. you know, I've changed almost all of my recipes when I grill to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively not real fast you know what i mean uh mm-hmm. so i do i do almost all of my grilling you know, such as i can grill now that i'm only living in manhattan but uh the uh <laughs> you know i i had converted all of my stuff to either like low temp and fast grill or to do mm-hmm. almost uh <clears throat> tandoor in this in the sense of off on off on so i do almost all mm-hmm. of my stuff so i want like because you know I'm busy, man. I got kids and stuff. What I want is I want the thing to become instantly hot as hell, and then I want to do my right. work, and then I want to go inside and have have some have some uh, beverages. You know, that's right, the, right, yeah. absolutely. So what's your what's your and that's MSRP? What we ran into that, that that that's what we ran into. It'll be around twelve hundred. All right, so like you know, you're, you're, so it's it's in the it's in the hey, I want something nice, but hey, I can't afford to spend mm-hmm. twelve grand on my grill. It's in that range. Right. Oh, yeah. It ain't no 12 grand. No, we wanted to take an everyday grill and turn it into something that everybody could have, you know. And, uh, you know, we, the way it came about is I was lighting my chimney with newspaper and all that stuff trying to get it lit. And I called my friend and told him, we need a burner in this chimney. And uh, he said, let's stick it in the grill. So we did. And we can have charcoal. That's the thing. I come home from work and I need a grill. I want a grill, but you got to wait and wait and wait. And yeah, I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, no, nobody likes to wait. That's how we came about it. All right. Well, send so, us send us information. No. I'll take a look at it and try out some uh, Kentucky country ham sliced thin uncooked. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I will. What, where do I send that to? Uh, the inform- Just uh, 
send it to uh, on the Patreon, I think, or John sent it to uh, uh, info at Booker Index. Yeah, yeah, or on through Patreon. Yeah, through the Patreon messages would be great. Please. Okay. All right. Hi, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. All right. Good talking to you. I look forward to seeing that stuff. I like any new grill technology. Because you know what? Okay, man. Everybody likes hey. to grill. I think. Everybody does. Everybody, everybody likes, does. Everybody likes to grill. And and I'm hoping that the grill is moving away from being a gendered a gendered implement. What do you guys think about yeah, that? Yeah, you can give that to me since you don't have a country house. Well, I don't know if he's going to give us a grill. I think he's going to send us information. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think is going to happen, Nastasia. But, yeah. Uh, and then you'll just what? Like, leave it outside and let it rust and then be like, nah, I'm not going to use it. Like a girl would. Oof. No, not like <laughs> Nastasia would. Nastasia is the only person who calls uh, grown women girls. In this That's group. That's not true, and it doesn't... In this group. It's not because it's, it's only for the reason that I am also a girl. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh-huh. I never say I'm a woman. That's such a... It's also an extra syllable. Maybe that's it. I was going to say Nastasia transcends gender, but... You know. Well, I'm a frat boy, according to Dave. <laughs> My only frat boy friend. <laughs> and in general, I don't make friends with frat boys. And you know, I had to make an, 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 an... I'm a frat boy. Ew, really, oh, John? Gosh. Ew. <laughs> I have nothing against frat boys. Come on. I mean, I just, they, they never liked me. The thing about frat boys is they never really liked me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I was that, you ever go to like a, a, you know how like, well, at least at Yale, frat parties were in the basement, right? They're always like in the basement. And it was like at Yale, the frat, most of the frat people were kind of football-y kind of people. And so there was like the two and, you know, college age so there's the two girls who could tolerate being in that basement with all of those like dudes and then like almost like a ring of football dudes like surrounding them and then i'm just in the corner drinking the worst beer on earth when i have even at the time better skills and technology than you know a frat boy you know basement full of like you know a keg of knicker oh my god i was at a frat party on saturday night by accident what yes yes that checks out oh my god yeah here in the city yeah what I know, okay, dish. <laughs> I went to the that subway bar that you met me at. That okay, you're not allowed to talk about. It. Is it a secret? No, it's not. All right, and then uh, and then with the two of my girlfriends, and then we went to another bar. That's on. It, you go through a Five Guys in Five Guys Burgers in oh, no, Greenwich. Now you have upstairs. now you yeah. have damn, damn drops going. Anyway. Wait, Greenwich, Connecticut. No, no, no. Greenwich, Again, Greenwich. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. And then uh, and then we were walking down the street, and these three guys were walking toward us. And one of one of the girls I was with said, uh, "Hey, where are you guys going?" And they were like, "We're going to go pregame. You guys want to come?" And the other girl I was with said, "Yeah." <laughs> It was like, I mean, are these minutes. actual college age girls or are you oh, people no, your age? They're my age. Women, yeah. grown ass women. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're good. And, <laughs> and we go, and it is a frat party, and there's flip cup, and oh, there's no geez, wine. Louise. There's only, what are they called? Uh, beer? No, but no, the other beers. Jello shots? Kool-Aid? No, the like ones everyone drinks right now. What are they called? Oh, oh the, the White Claws. Well, yeah, like oh, only that. God. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. man. And then they were like. That stuff makes Bartles and James look good, dude. They were like, how old are you guys? And I was yeah. like, we're 26. And they're oh. like, well, that's old. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez, Louise. All right. Uh, Joe's, t- Joe's telling me. Uh, it's priceless. Uh, Joe's tell. Did you go home with anyone? Ew, no. <laughs> Not tell me later. Tell me later. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, um, I have a question about uh, sugar syrups for cocktails in a home bar. Specifically, you know, recipes I've seen for them say, oh, you know, they're good in the fridge for one to two weeks. Um, but in a home bar setting, you know, oftentimes I want to keep them longer, you know, months, etc. And I guess my questions are twofold. One is, even when I have kept them in the fridge for you know, a couple months, seems like they don't grow anything or do anything that makes them look like they're going to kill me or smell like they're going to kill me. So is it safe? And yes. the second thing is, there's something I could do to prolong the shelf life mm. if, if, the, if no, the first one. You don't need to prolong. Honestly, you don't need to prolong the shelf life. Like, uh, so, okay. So there's different syrups, syrups. Okay. Regular simple syrup is just water and sugar and one to one ratio is going to be in good in your fridge for a long time. A long time. Like a long time. Yeah, it seems like I've almost time. never seen it grow anything. Right. Um, if, 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 if it temperature cycles a lot, if it temperature cycles a lot, you can get some mold growth in it. And what will happen is, is that 
you know, especially like let's say you pull it out for a party and you leave it out overnight and then you put it back in, the mold that starts in it isn't going to die and so it eventually will grow. And what you'll see is you'll eventually see, even in the fridge, you'll see like like almost like a wisp of like a gray cloud running through it. And because it's thick, where the mold is growing, it usually stays almost as like a – Almost like you drew like a smoky cloud through the syrup. And it still ain't going to kill you, but it's like not good. I wouldn't, I mean, I don't think that there's aflatoxin growing in it, but whatever. I wouldn't necessarily do it. You're, you're, if, if yeast starts growing in it, which it won't at those sugar levels, right, you'll see puffing. So like because the yeast will make gas, it'll puff it, right? So it'll mm. puff the, the lid on it. Uh, so if you see puffing, uh, you know, it's an issue that yeast is growing, but yeast is actually better than mold because yeast is 100% pretty much safe. It's just going to ferment it, but it's not going to happen in, in a simple syrup like that. And the mold, I mean, maybe it shouldn't, you shouldn't eat it with the mold on it. John's giving me the aflatoxin shake of the head over here. Well, I, I grew something black and blue on one of my simple syrups and it just, I don't know. No, don't, don't, don't eat that. Don't eat that. But I'm yeah. saying when it starts, but it, it, it generally it tastes bad at that point. So you'll yeah. notice like, have you ever had maple? So even maple syrup will grow mold, right? And when maple syrup mm. grows mold, it is terrible. Terrible, which is why you need to – if you are the kind of person who doesn't use your maple syrup quickly and this same thing goes for simple syrup, seal the bottle, put the bottle in a hot water bath, bring it up to above about 160 Fahrenheit or so around that range and just hold it there until the entire thing is warmed through. You will then wipe out all of the molds that are, are there, maybe 180. I don't know, but you'll wipe out the molds and then once it cools – you know, that's the only thing that's going to grow in there. You're not going to grow botulism. You're not going to grow any of these. There are some bacteria that can survive those temperatures that theoretically – but it's not going to happen. You're going to be fine, especially if you're in the fridge. So uh, every once in a while on my large things of maple syrup, I will bottle them down into smaller bottles and pasteurize them and then, you know, to kill the yeast, the molds and yeast and put them in the, in the fridge and then they're good it, basically for infinity. If you're using fruit-based syrups, the fruits can taste bad after a while, but that's more of a taste thing and less of a safety thing. All right. Awesome. But I, would, I wouldn't Thanks. bother like benzoating or any of that other nonsense because then you have to tell people you did it and by me, 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 ma, 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 and some people can taste it and some people can't. And it's really just unnecessary for what? For like a, for, for like 80 cents worth of sugar, you're going to go buy benzoate? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Um, all right. So, John, you said you – you said you made something good. What'd you make? Yeah, no. So I did that um, in air quotes, Cape Cod style stuffed lobster. Oh, um, all right. So describe. Ooh. So yeah, no, this was really good. So I made a Ritz cracker stuffing, right. uh, lobster stock, one egg to bind, two sleeves of crackers. Oh my God. Garlic. One egg to bind. Is that your memoir? Yeah. <laughs> one egg to bind. I'm trying to figure out what it's about. It's like one egg to bind. It's almost like last week when Pierre was like, he took everything I owned. What a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, sorry, sorry. So okay, Ritz yeah. crackers. And by the way, can, can I just interrupt you? Say, Ritz, call for in the recipe or this is just your favorite cracker? Favorite cracker. So Most you, of them are done with um, like saltines. Saltines, yeah. premiums. Used to probably be with pilot crackers, which probably, is kind of yeah. like the, the last vestige of the hardtack biscuit that you could buy here in yep. the U.S. All right. Okay. So Ritz, because you like it a little more buttery. Yeah, all right. Ritz crackers are also just delicious. Yeah. What are you guys' um, thoughts on Ritz? What are you, Ritz people or not Ritz people? No. What? I'm a Ritz Why? guy. Because yeah, other people like it, I no, think. No, it's not. It, it makes my oh, teeth yeah. feel weird. Oh, you know what? Because of the, well, well let me ask you this. Do you like saltines? Or yeah. Do you, That's fair. Okay. So it's, it's, it's the, it's, I, I kind of understand what you're saying. I kind of, I kind of get it. Okay, yeah, so I sorry. Too, actually. Ritz, one egg to bind. Yeah. And what else? Lobster stock, All right. onions, garlic. Uh, uh, pre, pre-sweat or no pre-sweat on the pre-sweat. onion? Pre-sweat. Pre-sweat. Okay. Yeah. Um, had to kind of like chop up the stuffing halfway through cooking because it started to brown quicker because they're already brown. So wait, so, wait, so, wait, wait so, so you took the tail, you cut it, you sliced it, put the oh, stuff no, no, in? Okay, no, no. So I did everything completely separately. So okay, I, took, okay. I took all the meat out of the lobster. Uh, so I did lobster. Dead raw or pre-steamed to, to kill? I started with fresh, killed it, blanched it. A knife killed it, then blanched it yeah. in shell. Yeah. Okay. Tried to do the tie, you know, where you tie it to the nose of the tail to keep the tail straight. Oh, my straight. God. It's so embarrassing for them. Yeah. Well, didn't even work. What do you mean? Why didn't it work? I, they curled up. I guess I just, like, didn't do it firmly. You that was my first time. You have to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You have to do it. Yeah. 
yeah, have to get really, really, really because tight. Because like what happens is, is that if it's not tight, they have to look ridiculous or it doesn't work. Like yeah. if it's just a little bit up, they can curl as they shrink and flap underneath and then they'll curl. You got to make it like, like I'm doing the uh, uh, Buffalo Bill pose from right now from, uh, from Silence of the Lambs. And it need to be like that. Like they're. They need to be like this and going ah, like that. And then like you like then you tie it. Okay. When you tie people, when you're tying a lobster up like this, which I know it's all BDSM and I have other techniques that I, I do now, but I've done so many lobsters this way. Tie the tail first. Tie the tail first and then uh, leave yourself um, enough extra. So there's two ways to do it. Did you do a one tie or did you, t- did you tie as a loop or did you do a loop around the tail and then a loop around the, the nose? That's the easiest way to do it instead of trying to get it to be like a cat's cradle loop around them. That's what I tried to do. Yeah. Loop, yeah. It's, it's easier to tie like a tie a figure eight and then pull down and throw a half hitch over the tail then because they're going to start flapping if they get wind of what you're doing. So you just tie it around their tail when they don't know what's happening, like around that last thing and then up and then like pull it around the the that point on the nose like you're hitching a ship to a cleat. Huh, okay. And then you can throw a couple half hitches over the over the nose and lift them up and man is it indignant for them. Man, <laughs> they stick their claws up. They're like, "Come on, man." <laughs> and then little do they know, whoop, yeah, exactly. into the pot. Exactly. They also they're more dense that way though. So you need to have a uh, sorry, less dense that way. Uh, in terms of pot space. So you need a decent yes. amount of pot space. Yeah. No, I made sure that I had that yeah. before going into it. It's also a good handle to pick them up when you're done, if you do mm, it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. because the, 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 the string never has enough thermal mass to burn you. And so as soon as you wait for the steam to flash off, like you don't have to be like, oh my God, with the tongs and then they slip and that, that, that noise, shibip, shibip, shibip. You can just kind of go in, grab the string, pull them on out, and then just go boop right into the yeah, ice water. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. So you 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 you, you part you whatever you call it, blanched them to kill them. All right. Now what? Yeah. Uh, took the meat out. Then while everything was cooling down, made a sherry cream sauce. So Ooh. some more garlic and onions. What kind of sherry? Uh, like what style? Something from the coast of Portugal. Um, but like more of a dry or more? Yeah, more of a dry. Okay. Dry, okay. like little briny, little bit lemony. It was good. You know, as a 70s um, guy, I always use Harvey's Bristol cream and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was good. I ended up adding some sherry vinegar too to just give it a little bit more acidity and tang. Um, and then added some uh, Paul Prudhomme seafood spice seasoning. Oh, nice. Up a little oh, bit, yeah. And how was it? It was really good. Okay. And then so once that was ready and everything was, uh, the lobster was cool, cut up the lobster into little pieces. And so this wasn't really stuffed because once the curl, the tail curled, I was just like, whatever, it's not going to look good. So I just took all the meat out, took the claws off, took the meat out of the claws, cooked everything in the pan, then shrimp, scallop, crab meat, cream sauce. And then that was that. And then with Ritz cracker stuffing, it was super tasty. Sounds good again. All right. All right. We may have another caller, which I appreciate. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Um, This is, this is uh, Anthony from Seattle calling in. I had a question around uh, making takoyaki. Okay. Uh, so I was making the takoyaki, and it just wasn't coming out, uh, you know, quite as crispy as I would have liked. I'm wondering if it might be an issue with like the burner I was using, or maybe like the the batter I'm using is no good. Uh, I'm using like uh, kind of like this electric heater, um, you know. Uh, electric griddle for the takoyaki. I'm wondering maybe if I should try to go for uh, uh, maybe like a like a, those uh, plates that you put on the gas grills, or whether maybe it's an issue with the batter. Well, so well, okay. So let's go through this. So what shape? What shape is it? The, uh, oh, it's a circular. Uh, the, the plate circular. It's a circular plate, and it's it's the two it's mm-hmm. two sided or the one sided. Um, no, it's just, it's just one-sided. So it's like a, so it's like a, like a, I think it's probably like a non-stick plate that's like attached to uh, an electric heater that you just plug in. Right. So tell me the batter. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up because I'm getting a little tired. Uh, tell me the so batter. I was using, using a recipe called, uh, so I was, I found a recipe called, uh, just one cookbook uh, to- and then you just uh, add takoyaki. 
And uh, right, but, but they're, they're typically you'd make it. Aren't they almost made like in an able skiver pan? Like very similar, right? I'm not familiar with that. No. Uh, uh, what is that? Uh, you know that you know, able skiver or skiver. There, that's the that's the the Scandinavian like Danish, and they sometimes put apples in them. But it's it's the same kind of batter, right? So in Japan, they're also using a like typically a single sided that you have to flip during cooking, right? They're not they're not. No one's doing it with a double sided pan, right? Right. No. No. I, I like that. Yeah. It's uh, it's typically flipped. So I think you you pour the uh, the batter in and you let the bottom side sit uh, just set, and then you're supposed to flip it almost like immediately. I'm wondering maybe it's because I'm taking too long to add everything in that the bottom side's like setting too much and it's becoming like too thick and like. Well, maybe that's the is, issue. is there is there is there any sort of uh, I'm trying to remember because I, I I went through an able skiver phase which is very similar. Does the batter have whipped? Uh, does the batter? I can't remember whether the batter has whipped egg white in it or not. Does it? No, it's it, in this case it was just uh, the one I'm using was just uh, plain flour, um, baking powder, some salt, two eggs, a little bit of. Uh, Dashi and uh, some soy sauce. Okay, so uh, and no no fat. Uh, no fat. Right, so it's like pancake batter minus the fat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I would, first of all, to crisp it up, I would put a little. I, mean, I put a little fat in. Um, I mean, maybe it's not traditional. Like some butter, or like. I mean, uh, I, mean I I like butter, but I don't know. I, I, not if it's not traditional. Don't add it if it's not traditional. But I would say maybe it's your pan, like. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm assuming if are you're using if you're using a Japanese pan, they also use uh, the same low voltage that we are, so you're not running into a power issue. Like in other words, like if you are designed if, if this is designed for a home in Japan, it would also work here because the only difference is the number of hertz of uh, of the power, not the voltage. So the power output in a heater would be roughly the same. So it's not that's not going to be an issue. Um, that said, you can find I mean, a really nice cast iron able skiver pan that it rocks the house and you can make you could brown the hell out of them, right? Because any sort of batter like that that you're putting into a small unit is a relatively high thermal load because it's a wet, relatively wet. So the higher your thermal load, the harder it's going to be to get like a very good uh, recovery on it. And if it's not crispy, you could okay. go a little bit longer and put a little oil into the into the cups. In general, nonstick things are never going to give you the kind of usually crispiness because you're using less oil in them and really that oil at the surface is going to help you get that crisp because it's going to help desiccate the outside of the surface uh, and give you kind of you know, nice good contact so either add some oil to the batter try using nonstick, um you know try a little more oil in the cups but it can be difficult to oil a nonstick because the oil doesn't stick to the pan the way it would to like cast iron you know what i'm saying i see okay Right. Also, the uh, aluminum in, the, in a nonstick in the, is it, the aluminum in a nonstick. You know, isn't going to have as much retained energy in it, right? So the advantage of a cast iron pan is that because it's so heavy, right? It's because it's like so much heavier than aluminum. It has more heat energy stored in it, even though, uh, you know, even though the, the the thermal physics of it would make you think it isn't. It's just so much heavier than the aluminum that it tends to store more. Okay, I see, and uh, I, the 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 electric griddle that I'm using right now, I, I think it's just uh, some generic one I bought online. I'm not sure if it's actually a Japanese brand one. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe I'll look into the maybe getting a cast iron griddle and um, seeing if that would help and adding some fat in. Yeah, look up that. Look at those able skiver pans because they're able. They're available. Uh, not that I want you to shop on Amazon Prime for anything other than Searsalls because. <laughs> I know. I, I already have one. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Check it. Check, check out the uh, check out the Able Skiver pans and see whether those are uh, give you. They're nice to have anyway. And then you know you can also start experimenting with the with the Scando with the Scando ball shaped pancakes, which are delicious. Start without the fruit fillings though on the on the on the Able Skivers because just get down the the aspect of flipping it. In fact, I have an Instagram post from a year or so ago where I think I give the recipe that I use, but I'm not sure. And the recipe that I use does okay. work. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Awesome. Okay, Thank bye. you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now, Wacky Jackie, Molecules. Uh, yeah. you, you said you had a good eating experience in Mexico. Where in Mexico were you? Uh, I was in Mexico City in Roma Norte mostly. Did you did you make it to uh, to the uh, Merced Market and get those squash blossom tacos that I dream about every once in a while? Uh, 
not this time, but I have been. And though I haven't had the squash blocks and tacos, where I mean, it's the Merced market is enormous and yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you so go to the, you know. go to this one entry. I have it on. If you would wanted to go, I have her pinned. I have a photo of her exact location on it, like GPS pinned. I mean, assuming she's still there. This was like three or four years ago. But just, oh my God! It, like, if you want to cry, tears of joy. See a woman making the tortillas, pressing them out, taking the masa ball, pressing it, putting it on the comal, then reaching with two hands into a trash bag full of squash blossoms. A not a not like a, a kitchen trash bag, like a freaking contractor bag full of squash blossoms and pulling out the squash blossoms and just going on the comal with some freaking oil and then hacka 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 with the knife like and then just like saute that and then without even looking at her hands shredding the freaking Oaxacan string cheese and then melting that stuff into the squash blossoms and putting it onto the tortillas that she just cooked just pressed and you're like what well, you're like yes 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 you know what i mean like we we it's one of those things yeah. where you're like shouldn't you try a bunch of different places and you're like why I've eaten a lot of things, right? I've been alive 50 years. I've eaten a lot of things. If you find something like that that's that good, just keep going back. Nastasi, I know you're a little bit yeah. of a believer in that, right? Yeah, so Jack, what did you eat in Mexico? <laughs> uh, this place, the, the best the best meal um, was at a place called Expendio de Mice. Um, Wait, what does that mean? Like, like expensive, street... expensive, expensive corn? What is that? Wait, expensive? No, I, I think it just means like sale of corn or like selling corn, right. you know? Um but it's like an open air. It's like it's on the street. It's very unassuming, like an open stall kitchen kind of thing. Um, kind of like nixtamalization happening. It's it's elevated dining in like a street food setting. Um, and they kind of just like you show up and they'll keep bringing courses until you tell them to stop. Well, I like that. It's so worth it. I like that. So like, do you have it. a little coin? Like, yes, the yes, no coin. No, you just, you know, the service was actually really great. Um, they're very communicative. Wait, John, have you been? No, I haven't. Website now, though, looks, or their Instagram, it looks really tasty. Oh. Yeah. Do, do, do they have, yeah, like, different very, varieties very of corn, like, on any given day? Is it, like, the blue bottle coffee of corn that you, like, you're like, I'll have the, I will have this corn? I mean, good, good question. I only made it once, um, but, I mean, everything I tasted was unbelievably delicious. I had my first polke there, too, which oh. I like. Um, how was yeah, it? Yeah, how, like, what, was it and flavored or was it straight to pulque? It seemed flavored, but I have no point of reference, so I don't know what plain pulque would have tasted I, like compared to this. I, I have yet to go to a pulque I bar. I have yet to go. I need someone to oh. take me to a pulque bar, but where it's just pulque—the kind of one yeah. where, like, where you you try to have one, and then the person walks up behind you with their hand and forces you back into your seat and pours you another one—that kind of a place. Like where where oh, they're yeah, like, yeah, where they're like yeah, oh I'm you want the experiment that. you want the experience you're gonna get the experience like that one of those places I need to go to one of those places. <laughs> but uh, nice. well, anyway, if anybody's ever in Mexico City, hit that place up. It was amazing. And it's called selling corn, but in Spanish. Or sale of corn, expendio de maíz. Corn sale. Um, yeah, yeah, I should sure. learn Spanish. I should really learn Spanish someday. Hey. Uh, nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get to some, uh, Patreon questions. Uh, Anthony, oh, by the way, someone, uh, sent me on Twitter and I have no idea. So I, I'm, I'm calling out for someone to tweet, uh, to them on my Twitter, which is cooking issues in case you, you needed it. Uh, good places to go in, uh, Nashville. Cause I've never been to Nashville. I've never been to Nashville. The last time I was in Tennessee was for the 1980 Knoxville world's fair. Yeah, I enjoyed the Knoxville World's Fair in 1980. I was nine, though. So what did I know about anything, really? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nashville's right. cool. What, what, World's Fair? Uh, what was no, it? I said Nashville is Oh, cool. Nashville's cool? Oh, the World's Fair, Knoxville. I remember the kudzu on the drive-in. Do they still have kudzu everywhere? I hate kudzu. I don't know. Really? Nastasia, you hate kudzu? Did they have it in California? No. Just the idea of it? Yeah. The idea of this green monster invading your life, invading mm. everything, growing over your car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, ooh, ooh, they, I got a flat in the, I got a flat in the, uh, in the Corolla. And so then the Corolla doesn't drive for a month and it's kudzu'd. It's just covered in kudzu. It's kind of creepy. So creepy. Kudzu. Uh, Anthony Din writes in, what are your thoughts on using a carbon steel pan on an induction burner? 
I have the control freak, and I'm wondering if it's worth the effort. Thanks. Also, uh, were I to get one, would you recommend getting a 10 or a 12 or both? So uh, I've actually been using uh, a carbon steel quite a bit recently from um, uh, JB Prince. So JB Prince has a uh, a new carbon pan that they have out that's kind of cool. It's made by this uh, dude in Australia, uh, but he's now making them for JB Prince in the U.S. Uh, And what's cool about this particular pan is it's no rivets. John, you'd like this uh, from a professional kitchen standpoint, no rivets. So it's never going to – there's nothing to break on it. It's stamped out of one piece of metal, but they they they've made the handle like a curve in such a way that the handle doesn't get that hot. Because uh, you know one of the reasons people that the handle material is different from the pan is also to make a thermal break, not just be, not just because it's hard to make it in one piece, but also theoretically, I guess it provides a thermal break. But uh, not that you're ever supposed to grab the handle of a pan in a professional kitchen anyway. But you know we all do it sometimes, every once in a while. Although Wiley laughs at me whenever I do it. You know what I mean? Like uh, the first thing they teach you in a professional kitchen is don't grab that handle. Don't grab that handle. You know what I mean? Especially if you're you know, in the habit of throwing your pans in and out of the oven, right? Never grab the handle of a pan. What are you, an idiot? That's why you have the towel. The reason you have the towel <laughs> is to grab the handle of the pan. Anyway, uh, so I really like uh, – I haven't used – Mizen also has some uh, uh, pans now, some uh, carbon steel pans that are uh, – they're relatively inexpensive. Uh, I, I actually really like them. You know what I mean? Like uh, I use it quite a bit. It's got the same nonstick properties as cast iron roughly, but it's a lot lighter, right? So it's not going to have the kind of, I don't think, heat retention uh, as, a, as a cast iron. Uh, so if you're doing something like, I don't know, baking in the, in the oven, cornbread, I'd probably still use the cast iron. I still use both my cast iron sizzles and, the, in, and that pan. The issue on an induction with uh, that – it works great on induction by the way. Um, you know, the bigger the pan, it depends on what you're going to use it for. Like the induction burner itself is only so big. So if you take a pan and put it on your control freak or any induction burner that you have and then dust the bottom of it with flour and then turn it on to like 370 or something like this, 375. And then uh, if it browns totally evenly all the way across at 375, then you're getting good enough heat conduction across it such that it makes – you can have a larger pan and still use it kind of for fine of, for frying or for things like this where you need even. And then try it again where you just crank it as high as it will go and see how much of a burn ring you get where the actual heating element of the induction unit is. I use bigger, bigger, much bigger things on my um, – on my induction unit all the time, but typically then I'm doing larger things like I'm doing like a batch of greens where I, I'm either using a low temperature such that it can go across the, the entire pan like I'm sweating onions and there's a lot of oil and so you know it doesn't matter that it's going to be a little hotter in the center or I'm putting a mess of greens in that I needed to cook down in which case it doesn't matter that it's theoretically hotter because the, the temperature of the steam from the water is keeping everything at roughly boiling point anyway. So it, you know, don't expect a large pan to be even for something like frying eggs. Right, unless you have a lot of water in it. So I would get both if you could, because it's always, you know, having a pan that's too small is like it sucks. You know what I mean? Like if you need to cook X amount of stuff and you have X minus something that you can fit in your pan, that all of a sudden now you're in two batch fill. You know what I mean, John? Yep. No one wants to be in two batch fill. No, definitely not. But don't expect your induction nope. burner to uh you know, a whole section of my book, which is gonna be I'm trying to figure out which is gonna be the most boring section of my book. Uh, right now, I think it's the thermal properties of water is going to be the most boring section of the book. But since it's the miracle of moisture management, kind of have to deal with it. You know what I mean? Uh, my wife, Jen, who's reading all this stuff, she's like, she's like, if your section on mushrooms is not the least boring section of your book, then it's going to be because I wrote the mushroom section already. She's like, eh. I'm like, oh, don't worry. The water section real boring. But you need to know it to get it right. The other thing that's going to be real boring is where I discuss how to relate the power output of your equipment to what you could actually accomplish with it, right? So, you know, it's the akin to don't try to put 10 pounds of poop into a five-pound sack, right? And, you know, it's very simple math to figure out what you can get out of your wall socket, what you can get out of your microwave, what you can get out of your toaster oven, what you can get out of your standard oven, what you can get out of your burner. And I have to get into it, but it's going to be deep and boring, right? Nastasia, I, look, do you want it exactly the same size? Because I know you lost your copy of Liquid Intelligence. Do you want this book to be exactly the same thickness? Yeah, yes. I'm shooting for it. I'm shooting. I'm going to try to make it exactly the same dimensions so that, you know, it fits exactly the way that the old old one did. 
today is the day I tell someone that they can't stay with me because they're not vaccinated. Oh, well, wow. so so we're we're name nameless. Name name, yeah. Oh my God, it's it's uh, is that what's his name? The actor from uh, he he got killed in in uh, House of Cards. He's oh, the con- he was the congressman in House of Cards who got carbon monoxided. Maybe. Well, he's alive. <laughs> you mean they don't kill him in the real life? <laughs> acting. Oh, speaking of acting, get this. So uh, I had a I had one of those. Uh, I think Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy. I'm walking over here. I'm walking over here. I had that, such a moment like that because I was trying to get here and I was a little bit late. And I was like, people, it must mean the tourists are back, especially yeah. in this neighborhood. I'm like, yo, 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 I'm walking over here. You know what I mean? Do you know that scene, which is fantastic? It's, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Angelina Jolie's dad. Uh, yeah. Uh, John, John Voight. Yep. And Dustin Hoffman, right? And they're both, you know, Dustin Hoffman's not hot, but Voight is hot as hell in that movie. You know what I mean? And he's like a gigolo kind of guy. So and they're, they're walking around like kind of this neighborhood almost, more like Times Square. And they had, uh, when they were filming it, they had, they had roped off the entire area. And so he, they're walking across the street without looking because they're shooting a movie. You know what I mean? And in classic New York style, a taxi driver just, boom, blows through the, blows through the, the thing and almost hits Dustin Hoffman. And he goes... I'm walking over here like that. Like, and it's like, it was totally unscripted, but how good oh, acting really? is that? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That. It's like yeah. completely unscripted. Yeah. He doesn't break character and then does his thing, yells at the taxi driver and then continues walking and talking to Voight. Blocked off the streets. Like, they did. Oh, I mean, are you familiar with us as a, as a, as a group of people? Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Oh my God. I've talked about the, uh, the, what's it called, right? The, uh, Oh my God! His name just went out of my head. Marathon Man. I don't think so. Who played? Oh, okay, so is it? Is it? Uh, is it? Uh, I always forget. Is it, it's Lawrence Olivier, right? Who plays the the Nazi doctor? Isn't it? Anyway, I think it's Lawrence yeah. Olivier. He yeah, plays. An, he plays the Nazi Olivier, doctor. Yeah. yeah. So it's. it's you should mm-hmm. see this movie. It doesn't. I don't know whether it's. I loved it. Dustin Hoffman plays this like kind of young character who's who is being got like kind of. He's kidnapped by this Nazi doctor who's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's drilling holes in his teeth and then putting like a like he's just causing immense pain, and he's just saying, "Is it safe? Is it safe?" And Dustin Hoffman's like, "I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what you're talking about." You know what I mean? Because he has literally no idea what he's talking about. It's a great scene. So anyway, so to study for being in this immense pain where he's drilling his teeth out uh, without anesthesia, Dustin Hoffman was in his like trailer and like icing his junk down, like sitting in a seat with just like his, all of his like Franken beans covered in like ice, just completely iced down, like shivering, shivering like, Ugh! and like Lawrence Olivier walks in, so what the hell are you doing? He's like, well, I'm trying to get in like a physical, emotional space, you know, where I can really live the scene. He's like, just act, dude. Just act. You don't need the nice, you know, you don't need to ice your junk down. Just act, man. Anyway. I mean, he doesn't talk like that because he's British, but whatever. Uh, and they're all, he's dead now, so he doesn't talk like anything anymore. All right. Let me see. Next question. Uh, from Alexander, and I believe it's pronounced Tailguard, right? Isn't that correct? I think so, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's how it's written, too. It's not Tailguard, right? It's Tailguard. Oh, yeah. I think so. Anyway. Uh, hey, Cooking Issues people. Uh, thanks for the answer on Ginger. Uh, and no worries about being late. We were late, remember? We yep. were late. Yeah. It happens. Uh, and uh, he likes our decision to go on Patreon. That's good news. Uh, so, got some of the ginger juice to clarify uh, just by doing it with thyme, which is the only way to do it. Uh, but it lost all of its ginger kick. So, I ended up using a mix of heated uh, ginger and just uh, juice, giving like giving up some of the carbonation. And it was excellent. Another thing you can do, by the way, is uh, ginger is going to lose its kick over time. And so... What a lot of people do is try to find the most neutral um, capsation note that you can get and add a little bit of capsation heat to the back. And it's not the same, but it pushes a lot of the same buttons. So, uh, you know, if you don't mind uh, the flavor being a little bit red, like something that's fairly neutral, like Italian crushed red pepper is a fairly neutral reddish heat. And like usually those kind of... I don't know if you – you know what I mean red, right? Yeah. Yeah. Usually like those kind of red hot notes work with – well with um, 
with ginger, they don't cloy because you're not adding – you don't necessarily want to add a vegetal note. You don't necessarily want a greenish hot note and you probably don't want a vinegary hot note um, or even floral like a habanero style note. So I think you want like a – but red usually doesn't – that reddish, red, straight red pepper flavor doesn't tend to conflict very often with uh, ginger. And so uh, that's what I uh, – I typically use crushed red. The only problem with crushed red is, is that it's very um, – it's very finicky with steep time. So you want to just – I usually over-add because I'm l- looking mainly for heat and then I keep tasting until the heat's exactly where I want and then I drain. I don't let it sit for a long time because uh, like uh, anyone who's ever eaten a pizza with me knows that I put – how much crushed red do I put on pizza? Tons. Like Tons. Yeah, I mean like – Cover yeah. it. It's red. Yeah, yeah. It's bright red It's like, and sandy, right? So like if you make me – if you make me <laughs> laugh when I'm eating pizza to the extent that I have to breathe in, like if I breathe in while I'm eating pizza through my mouth, if any air goes into my mouth, into my mouth while I'm eating a pizza, it's like almost like a, like a guaranteed trip to the hospital because I'm inhaling like a, like, a, like a blanket of crushed red pepper into my mouth. But it doesn't actually make the pizza slice that hot because crushed red pepper is not hot until it gets hydrated, right? It's just not that hot until it gets hydrated. Take that same amount of crushed red pepper, put it in a sauce, or as they say in Boston, put it in the gravy, and then you heat it up and you're, you know, you're done. Does anyone else oh, yeah. call it gravy, sauce gravy, or just the Boston Italians? I'm watching The Sopranos and they call it gravy in that. Really? So yeah. Jersey Italians call it gravy too? Yeah, at least based off The Sopranos, but yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. It's gravy. Long Island Italian sauce. Sauce? Huh. For Long Island, yeah. What's the worst thing? on earth that you can do in an Italian household if you're a cook? Uh, definitely and, um, add ketchup to your, uh, to your linguine and oh, clams. Man. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's Ooh. like, that's like, you wouldn't even, God. that's like, a, as, the, as they say, you would be dead to me at that point. I mean, like the worst thing you can do and still be a member of the family. The, the only reason I say you- that, and it's so close to me because I had a friend come over for uh, a birthday at my father's, fa- uh, for my father's birthday, my mother makes my mother's Sicilian. She makes an amazing linguine and clam sauce. And like my friend Harry, we're skaters in like high school. And he goes into the, he literally leaves the kitchen table, goes to the refrigerator, brings back he actually brings his plate into the kitchen because we're sitting in the dining room, and puts ketchup on the linguine. Comes back to the dinner table. My mother's like, "Get the fuck out." <laughs> Like, get out. All right, this is the only cursing that's allowed because I appreciate that. Sorry. Kicked your skater friend out? That's amazing. Kicked him out. Oh, man. I got uh, and left. rightfully Love so, though. that. Wow. Rightfully yeah. so. I got laughed at at that restaurant in Rome when I asked for a wedge of lemon to go with my uh, fried artichoke. Yeah, you said that. Uh, the server literally <laughs> laughed at me and said no. Yeah, yeah. 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 As uh, yeah. Louis Lunch in New Haven says, this isn't Burger King. It's not how you want it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, uh. So I was going to say uh, – I'll, I'll just say this. So like um, my stepfather, he had three maiden aunts. They never married. They, you know, they lived together until they, until they all died. It was crazy. And one Is of them – Is this the bank robbery story? No, but it's the same people. You know? So like uh, I told you like there was the, – the one who was kind of – kind of ruled the roost, uh, her name uh, was uh, Annette. And there was, there was Annette, Auntie, and, and Annie. Those were the three maiden aunts, right? And, you know, Annie died first, then it was Annette and and, um, and Auntie. But anyway, Auntie started like, to go a little bit soft, but she was never the one that ruled the roost, right? It was always like, it was always Annette that ruled the roost. And, uh, and Annette was the one that was most closely related to Uncle Diamond, who's the guy who, who had the, the safe deposit box. Anyways, so, you know, everyone would say, oh, oh. Auntie, oh, Annette, she, oh, she thinks she's the boss. She's the boss of the toilet. She's the boss of the toilet. So, like, whenever anyone says that they're the boss, I'm like, yeah, they're the boss, the boss of the toilet. But anyway, they were making the gravy. So the way that they used to do it is they'd make the gravy and then they'd, the tomato, you know, they'd put it through the strainer thing. They'd get the stuff. They'd cook it down, and then they'd put all the meat in it. So they'd put the, you know, the brujol, the sausage, the pork chops, everything into the gravy, cook it in the gravy, pull it out, cook the pasta, serve the pasta with the thing, the meat on the side. That's the way it was. And one time, I wasn't even alive yet. It was like in like the it was in like the sixties. Annette burned the gravy and tried mm-hmm. to serve it. So she scorched the bottom. The entire pot then is tinged with the burnt tomato. And it was one of those things where literally thirty years later, you know what I mean? Like in the eighties or nineties, they were like, "There was that time Annette burned the gravy." <laughs> 
yeah. and we're all like, and it was, it was like, and then the entire table, because it, I got, you know, the whole, I used to do family dinner every Sunday. And it came really from Gerard's family. I had the family dinner. It would be like the aunts were there, his dad, his grandpa, like a whole thing. And yeah, every once in a while, he'd be like, burn the gravy. And then like Gerard's dad would just go, Like, it wasn't like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, Don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, remembering yeah. and sucking in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gracious. Uh, all right. Andrew K. wrote in. Question. Uh, I'm making. You didn't even get to Alexandra's question. Oh, I didn't? Oh, nope. shoot. Oh, you went wow. off on tangent. All right, all right. Wow. Tangent. Okay. Uh, I'll talk about these without tangents. You oh, yeah, yeah. Minutes. Now to my question. I'm trying to recreate a cocktail version of Dalgona coffee. Now, that's that one where you whip instant coffee, right? You whip instant coffee. And then you serve it like either hot or cold. Answered this before. Like well, we've answered a similar one. I don't think we've answered. Well, no, it's it's a it's a COVID thing. Can't be eight years ago. This was invented during COVID by oh, someone okay, who then, yeah, couldn't like leave the eight house. Weeks ago, then. I don't know. It's yeah, all the same. It's, I, I like how you're getting. You're, you're not even close as old to me, and still your entire life is blurring together into one big mess. Don't let it happen yet. Keep your dates separate for at least another ten years. All right. Uh, I'm trying to recreate a cocktail version of Dalgona coffee. Dalgona is kind of a good word. Is that why it's popular? Because Dalgona. I don't know, a- but answer the question. Wow. Jesus. Man. Uh, I want it to actually taste like coffee and not instant crap. I'm using a mocha pot and an easy whipper. I've tried using Foam Magic, which is a uh, maltodextrin, uh, methylcellulose, and xanthan gum from Modernist Pantry as a foaming agent, and it worked okay, but the foam got that goopy texture from the xanthan. Is, are there any other agents that would work better to give a lighter but still stable foam? I'm looking for a texture uh, like egg white foam on a sour. Thanks, and keep up the good work. All right, so let's take a look at that. First of all, I really get bent when people um, write in their ingredients, and they do it so that you can't copy the methylcellulose because there's a bunch of different methylcelluloses and cellulose derivatives that have different properties. I'm guessing this is what I think that is. Maltodextrin is just a filler, right? It's just solids. So if you're using instant coffee, I tried to look up what's in instant coffee. Does instant coffee always have creamer crap added to it, or can you get black instant coffee? I think you can get black. black, yeah. Yeah. Like the standard, like, taster's choice is black. I, I couldn't find the ingredients for Taster's Choice Coffee on the web this morning for some reason. Isn't that like the most ironic name on earth, Taster's Choice? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like they gave a bunch of crap to a bunch of tasters and the taster had to choose one and that was the Taster's Choice. It's Anyway, uh, so the, the maltodextrin is there as solids. Also, you got to remember in um, – in an instant coffee, it's all coffee solids, and coffee solids have good whipping ability. This is why uh, coffee is such a nightmare to carbonate because it foams up uh, a lot, right? So the maltodextrin is there just for adding solids uh, and, and viscosity. The methylcellulose is the actual whipping agent, right? So you need both that uh, uh, maltodextrin and the methylcellulose. The xanthan, but it's, the methylcell you need to use is called F50, F50. Just get methocell F50 straight and then get some maltodextrin and use that and just nix the xanthan gum. The xanthan gum is a stabilizer, but you probably will not need a stabilizer because coffee is already foamy enough. So coffee plus methocell uh, methocell F50 plus maltodextrin will probably give you what you need without that snottiness. And if not, methocell doesn't always work in – Milk-based system. So if you're adding the milk before you whip the coffee, you might need to move to a Versa Whip. Versa Whip is just whey protein. So it's a, and there's two different. There's a soy protein Versa Whip and a, and a milk protein Versa Whip. So uh, you could try Versa Whip, but Versa Whip takes a lot longer to whip up. Or just try straight F50, the coffee and the um, and maybe some maltodextrin if you need more solids content. But try to make the coffee as strong as possible. Uh, what do you think? Good. Go. Good right? answer. Good. All right. All right. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, and then see, there's also a liquid nitrogen thing, John. Parse that out for me while I while I get Andrew yep. K's question. All right, uh, Andrew K writes in. I'm making a pyrolyzed banana. I'm making pyrolyzed bananas, which I guess means burnt. Oh no, no, like a black garlic. Yeah, that's what that means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although it's not I mean like it's not really. So, all right, but I'm not going to get into the technical. Not like you know what I mean. Like Just not going to get into. It. All right. Uh, from the Aviary Cocktail Book, where you peel bananas, you vacuum seal them, you boil them for 10 minutes in the bag, and then you place them in a 155-degree Fahrenheit environment for four weeks. I'm using a rice cooker on Keep Warm. 
one problem. After a week of cooking, I checked on the bananas and the bag had blown up. It was found to have a small hole uh, in the side, not at the sealed end, which I suspect let in air that expanded in the bag. I sealed the hole, but a day later I found a new hole in the bag, possibly due to the temperature being higher than estimated and melting my cheap bags. Uh, the bag was minimally inflated this time. That was that's uh, that was my nickname, minimally inflated. Min- min- minimally inflated. Uh, my main concern is botulism. Uh, I am reading that 10 minutes of boiling can neutralize the toxin. Is this true? Uh, I know this would not include the spores, but if I were to uh, boil the bananas for 10 minutes again after the four weeks of uh, blackening, would it be reasonable to uh, consume the product? It's just for myself, so I'm not particularly concerned about other foodborne illnesses. Thanks in advance. Yeah, uh, you know, the botulism toxin is mainly heat labile, and boiling it should do it. Bananas are really fairly thin, and they're high in uh, moisture, so it should make it through. But also, if your temperature is 155, botulism is not going to grow there, right? That's, you know— that's well above the thermal death point for uh, the vegetative uh, stuff. So if it smells off-off, you're getting some sort of thermally um, – there are thermoactive bacteria, right, that will tolerate living in those temperatures, and they're typically not pathogenic, and it's not going to be botulism. Botulism just won't grow. Uh, I, I would guess maybe that your temperature I, – I would just be concerned that your temperature wasn't as high as you thought, right? So just if you can guarantee that that temperature was at 155 the whole time and it smells good, it doesn't smell like like uh, like it's gone bad, then I would say you're okay. I would consume it um, and botulism wouldn't be a concern in that point, and especially if you're going to reboil it. I think you're, you're fine. What do you think, John? Think that's accurate? Yeah, I think so. Uh, all right. So was there more in that question you need to parse out about liquid nitrogen? He's looking to get Ellen for his bar and trying to convince the owners. He needs to know the price, how much is used. Isn't uh, that like on a blog somewhere? Well, well, it's old. I don't even know if you can still get to the primer. But the, the issue on price is just the price of liquid nitrogen varies widely depending on uh, your locale. So just call up two or three local welding shops and figure it out, you know, what, they, what they're going to charge you. Liquid nitrogen, it costs almost the same to fill a, like, 30-liter doer as it does to get a full 160 or 180-liter doer of liquid nitrogen. Uh, the issue with the liquid nitrogen doers, and if you're going to use it in a bar, you really want to get the big containers. Is if you don't use it constantly, it boils off. So you have to use it all the time or there's no point in having it. And if you get the big cylinders... Um, you know, usually you have to put a deposit down of like, you know, a couple grand. And then, uh, when you cancel your account, you get the two grand back and then they just swap the cylinders out and they'll typically charge you a delivery cost and the, and the liquid nitrogen. We, we went, we had two at existing conditions and we had one at Booker and Dax and it was like, we spent on the order of like $150 a week on it. So on that order in that, in and that, to convince you know, the owner, you got to do all your safety. You got to do all the safety stuff. I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, maybe this read, yeah, read the liquid nitrogen primer. Uh, you know, it's all about, you know, if, if the people aren't going to respect the safety, if they're not going to listen to you, if they're going to be kind of fast and loose with it and like let your guests ever touch it or get near it, then don't even bother. But if you're going to follow the rules and like not let people take it home in their car and, you know, if, you know, you're not going to like store it, you know, in a basement and you're not going to like try to walk it down the stairs and you're not going to do any of this stuff that's evil. Just read the read the blog post. It's still current. I mean, even though it's like 10 years old, it's still true. Um, yeah. Follow the rules. Right. Yep. Rules. Okay, you have one minute. Uh all right, so someone just uh, someone just said basically they, they want to know whether we want – this is uh, Dustin Meldrum wrote in, has pawpaws in the Yonkers area, right? Says during during season, if not, we can get some pawpaws. Aren't, you're interested in that, right, John? Yeah, definitely. Never right. had one. Uh, also, um, as, a, as an engineer at the Domino Sugar Plant, we've got to have some information we want about engineers in Domino Sugar Plants um, and a calcium chloride plant. Oh, uh, something somebody asked me once uh, – and also says can get some good dogs because they're going to Michigan. Should we have a Michigan hot dog? Should we get in contact with Dustin and have a Michigan dog versus oh. a Connecticut dog off where you cook them both, John, so that they're both done exactly the same way, served in kind of a standard bun situation? And okay. we can do – get in contact and we'll see. We can yeah. figure out. We can have a, a – Nastasia, you like hot dogs, right, if they're plain? Fine. Joe, you like hot dogs? Like you, are you interested in a, in, a, in a dog off, in like a Michigan versus Connecticut dog off? Definitely. All right, but like no, no adornment, just mustard, mustard kraut. 
or do we have to have it with nothing? Nothing. Nothing? I prefer mustard and kraut. Okay, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, so mustard and kraut for me, please. Mustard and kraut, right? Okay. Uh, someone once asked me this, and so uh, here it is. Salted butter is one. P- salted butter can be a range of different uh, uh, salt contents, right? But in case you're wondering how much extra salt you're adding when you add butter, uh, the standard. I looked at the one in my fridge, which it's a little bit off, right? Because they said, you know, according the, the, the decimal points don't go out far enough. The minimum fat content of butter is 80, and the maximum is 90 in the U.S. Right? The rest is water, milk fats, non-solid salt. Uh, in the one in my house is 1.6% salt by weight, 1.6% salt. Remember, people, when you read the sodium on the side, if, if you just have a sodium content in milligrams and you want to know salt, multiply by 2.5, 2.54 technically, right? So if there's, if there's one milligram of salt, there's actually, uh, of sodium, then there's actually 2.54 milligrams of salt. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Okay. In a stick of butter, there is about 1.85 grams of salt, okay? So when you're cooking with butter and you want to know I'm putting a stick of butter in and you want to cut back on the salt, it's like 1.8 grams, all right? All right? Cooking issues. 